If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, we have extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one. Hold up your hand real high. And let's everybody go to 1 Samuel 2 and also Romans 13. In 1 Samuel 2, we saw that uh, Eli was the man of God over the house, the temple. And that his sons were priests and ministers under him. And they had been doing evil things. They were stealing the offerings. They were having affairs with the women that were coming. And they were just in general despising and disrespecting the Lord's house and his things. And the Lord warned them about that. And they did not heed him. And finally, uh, he sent a man of God to tell him this in uh, 1 Samuel 2. And 29, he said, you have honored your sons above me, the middle of the verse says. Verse 30, wherefore the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord says, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Read that last phrase out loud with me. Them that honor me, I will honor. Say it again. Them that honor me, I will honor. One more time. Them that honor me, I will honor. The Lord said this. Can you count on it? If you honor him, what's going to happen? He's going to honor you. Are you interested in that? Do you desire this? If you don't, it's because you must not understand what he's talking about. You should greatly desire this. He went on to say, they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now, Eli and his sons had despised the Lord, despised the Lord's offerings, despised the Lord's services, his things, his people. And as a result, they had lost the priesthood, the ministry. Something very interesting here, we've talked about it already at length, that uh, even though God has given you something precious, if you don't value it, you can lose it. If you fail to esteem it and honor it, it can be taken from you. And he and his family lost the, uh, the priesthood. They lost the ministry because they failed to honor it. He said, if you despise me, You'll be lightly esteemed. So ever how you treat the Lord and his things is how you and I are going to be treated. There are a lot of people who are despising God and his things. They wouldn't say that they are. But notice the definition of despise, lightly esteemed. One way of despising is simply ignoring. Treating something as though it's unimportant, trivial, insignificant. There's a lot of people ought to be in church this morning all over the country. But it wasn't important enough to them to even get out of bed. Hmm? And uh, God's things are not important enough for them to ever put a dollar into the preaching of the gospel. Or for them to ever give any of their time or effort to anything for the work of God. And as a result, their life and their family and their money is lightly esteemed by God. Now see, people don't like the sound of that, but is it true or not? You honor him, you put him first, you make a big deal out of his things, he's going to honor you. He's going to take care of you. 
I know, uh, oh, must have been 25 years ago or so, I was called on to uh, go to another state and step into a meeting that was not mine. And, um, you know, to, because some things had arisen, the speaker, main speaker couldn't, couldn't do it. And, and uh, it was an interesting situation and a bit of a challenge. And so as I began to go, I was informed that there were some problems in my family. And just from the natural, it came on me, you know, I need to go. I need to go check and I need to go see about them. But the Lord was teaching me, don't just jump and do things. Ask me about everything. No matter what it seems like or how obvious things might seem, ask. Didn't the scripture say in all your ways, acknowledge him? And what would happen? He'll direct your path. If you want to be led by the Lord in everything, you have to acknowledge him. In everything. So I said, Well, Lord, what about this? And He spoke to me. He said, uh, said, People tend to care about their family that they know. He said, But these people I've directed you to minister to, they're my family too. I care as much about them as your family. He said, Stay here. Minister to my family like I tell you to. You help take care of my family, I'll help take care of your family. Well, it takes faith to do that, doesn't it? Because you have to trust him that it will be done. And so I did, best I knew how. And the Lord helped us, man. We had good anointing. We had good healing meetings. We had miracles happen. People got saved, got back to the Lord. And you know, after the meeting, and I was able to find out some things about what had happened back home. Man, the Lord raised up some people to help my folks out and help my family out. And it was better than what I could have done. I mean, it was the Lord. You know, you're not the only one that can do anything. And it was so much better. Is it true that if you'll help take care of his, he'll take care of yours? Is it true? Isn't that just another way of saying, honor me. And I will honor you. But if you don't have time for it, if you put your stuff first and you don't have time for the things of the Lord, then your stuff and your family and your business will be insignificant and trivial and inconsequential to him. I know people don't like to hear that, but it's written in the Bible. Said out loud, them that honor me, I will honor. Now, we said if you knew what that is, you would desire it. Every good thing that you and I are enjoying is the Lord honoring us. I mean, if, uh, if you and I are healed and we recover from attacks and problems when other people don't, that's the Lord honoring us. Isn't it? If my bills are paid and my stuff is paid off when other people are losing theirs and going under, that's the Lord honoring me. It's not because I'm better than they are or I've earned it or merited it, but what would be a reason why he could? If they don't honor him, And I do, or you do, that would be the difference. Can you see that? What if we honored him more? (laughs) He would honor us more. What if we honored him a lot more? What if we just came into a whole new realm of honoring him? Then he would bring us into a whole new realm of blessing and increase. Are you interested in this? Are you excited about this? That's why we've said, we've, I've led you in a prayer numerous times. Lord, teach us. Teach me about this. I want to know. Do you want to know? Yes. He's answering this prayer. He is teaching us. Go with me to Romans, please, the 13th chapter. 
Romans 13 and 7. Romans 13, 7. Scripture says, Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. The God's Word translation says it like this, Pay everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay them. If you owe tolls, pay them. If you owe someone respect, respect that person. If you owe someone honor, honor that person. So here, showing respect and honor is compared to paying taxes you owe or paying bills that you owe. We're told that we owe certain people respect and honor. Now that is a different mindset than much of the world, much of the church, all of the world, and much of the church. So many people, if you start talking about respect, their mind immediately goes to, yeah, you need to show me respect. (laughs) And people even get demanding about it. You will respect me at my house. You will respect me in my place of business. You will show me respect. And they demand respect. That does not work. That's not right. Quit that. Stop that. Well, you have to show me some respect. They never have to respect you. I don't care how much you holler and demand. You know, sometimes criminals say, well, I'll pull out my 45. You'll show me some respect. That's not respect. Maybe fear. It's got nothing to do with honor. No, don't demand respect. Demonstrate respect. Show it. And if you're showing it, you'll be sowing it. And if you're sowing it, they'll some come back to you. If you pay the respect you owe, then you'll reap the respect you sow. Also, when it comes to uh, showing respect, the world mentality and so many people in the church is, well, I don't know if they've earned my respect. Have you heard that phrase, earned my respect? Well, you're going to have to earn my respect. That's ungodly, unbiblical thinking. No, the Bible said you owe certain people respect no matter what you think about. It's not about them earning it. God said you owe it to them. And you hear people say, well, I just don't feel like they've earned my respect or merited my respect. If you owe something, it's got little to do with your feelings. If you owe taxes, it do you no good to call up the IRS or write them a letter and say, hey, I just don't feel like I owe you this. You either owe it or you don't. Feelings don't determine whether you owe it or not. And so we need to get rid of this ungodly worldly mentality. Have they earned it? Do they merit it? No. If the Lord says you owe it to them, then even whether you like them or not, or whether you think they deserve it or not, has little to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Show the respect you owe. Show the honor that you owe is what the scripture said. And before we're done, as, as the Lord would will and help us, I intend to get into some specifics about who the Lord said to honor. And uh, if the word says to show honor and respect there, you may not be able to respect everything a person in authority or over you says or does. The biggest problem with people that are over you in places of authority is they're like you. That's their biggest problem. They're like you. They're human. 
They can mess up. They can make mistakes. And you may not be able to appreciate everything that they say and do. But you must show respect for the place. Or elsewise you disrespect the God who made the place and chose the people to be in the place. The Bible says pay the respect that you owe. Now we went back to Genesis and we studied the origin of dishonor, the origin of disrespect. And something the Lord has emphasized to me that I didn't intend to do when we first started this series is uh, that honor and respect, a lot of it, is what you don't say and what you don't do. And for me to emphasize and us to emphasize to stop the disrespect. And even this morning I'm seeing it clearly what he's telling us. He's identifying the enemy's devices. And he's telling us, don't give place to the devil. Stop giving him any place or any room. And these five eyes of disrespect that we're going over right now, these are identifying some of Satan's devices. These are identifying things that people have been yielding to. And, uh, you know, again, it's not a you deal. It's a us deal. Do you want to learn if you've been yielding to the wrong thing? Do you want to see it? Do you want to know it? Well, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Even if you, you feel bad when you realize that you did it, it's a good thing because now we've got the cover off of it. And we see it. We know what it is. And you're able to deal with it. And you're able to recognize it when it comes up again. I know uh, I had the privilege of teaching at Brother Hagen's uh, ministry in Bible school at Ramah a course called uh, Submission and Authority. And we got into pride and humility and some of those things there and uh, more than once I had students that would come sometimes they were younger sometimes they were older they'd come uh, in the middle of the class sometimes and say you know brother Keith uh, I never used to have any trouble with pride and stuff till I came to your class (laughs) I said yeah you don't have trouble with something you just yield to (laughs) see when you're just yielding to something you don't notice it. It's kind of like smoking. It's easy to talk about quitting till you start. <laughs> huh? You know, oh yeah, I can quit anytime. We'll do it. And when you do, you start finding out. It had more of a hold on you than you thought. Hmm? Same thing with any of these things. Well, I, you know, I didn't have any trouble with disrespect. Well, you were just yielding to it. But when you start finding it and realizing it, you'll notice things all through the day and you go, oh, man, don't say that. Oh, I got no, I need to stay out of that. No. And you think, man, I didn't used to have this much trouble. This is a good thing. This is a good thing. You were doing it, just not real, not acknowledging it, not realizing it. Now you're actually growing. You're actually making change. This is a good thing. I didn't say it was always easy and fun, but it's a good thing. It's a good thing. So we saw in the book of Genesis, there was no disrespect. There was no rudeness. There was no dishonor when God created Adam and Eve and put them in the garden and he'd come down and commune with them in the cool of the day. There was no disrespect until Satan came on the scene. And speaking through the serpent, you hear disrespect. You hear dishonor. He says, yea, has God said sarcasm and defiance 
is of the devil. We need to eliminate it from our thinking and from our tone. Listen to me, saints. Get rid of sarcasm. It's not godly. You know, it's popular nowadays to call it attitude. Attitude. (laughs) And to say things that you don't mean. Well, if that's what you want. (laughs) Did God say? Did he really say? And then he contradicts God. Is that disrespectful? Nah, you won't really die. Nah. Is that disrespectful? Dishonoring. And then we see them dishonor God by the first of our five eyes of disrespect, ignoring. When he said, did God say, Eve rattled it off. They knew exactly what God said. Don't eat of that fruit. You'll die. And then the Bible says she's looking at the tree. It looks good to her to eat. They made a call. They made a judgment call. I don't know if you heard that or not. Hmm? They knew what God had said. But they were there on the scene. And they're intelligent. And they made a call. <laughs> what does that mean? Have you ever heard that before? You know, you were told you were instructed to do certain things. But then you just, well, I made a call. <laughs> you were rebellious. You chose to ignore what you were told. And so she looked at that fruit and she took it and ate it like God never said a thing to them. She gave it to Adam. He ate it like God never said. The Bible said Adam wasn't even deceived. They just totally ignored what God had told them. Is that disrespectful? That is totally disrespectful. So we talked about ignoring What was the second of our five eyes of disrespect? What was that? you remember that? Interrupting. Interrupting is disrespectful. Dishonoring. In uh, Proverbs, you can put it up on the screen for us if you would. Um, Proverbs 18 and 13. Proverbs 18, 13 says, He who answers uh, before listening, that's the NIV, that is his folly, And his shame. The easy to read translation says. Let people finish speaking. Before you try to answer them. That way you will not embarrass yourself. And look foolish. It's disrespectful. To interrupt. uh, Particularly your elders. Or somebody that's over you. In some capacity. When you're interrupting somebody. You're saying by your actions. You're saying some very demeaning disrespectful things you're saying you're saying to them by your actions what you're saying is so insignificant and inconsequential I can't stand to let you finish your sentence and you need to shut up and listen to me right now is that rude is that disrespectful very very I know the world around us is just full of people interrupting each other you can't watch a talk show or a news show or anything Uh, You know, if they got five people on there, they're all talking at once. And that's the mentality of the world. Well, you got to. You got to jump in there and you got to mix it up. Uh, If you want to be heard anything, you're better off not being heard. Are you with me or not, friends? No, this is not right. This is ungodly. The Lord is not this way. The Bible said, be still 
and know that I am God. And you got to learn to get quiet. If you want to run your mouth, you won't hear from the Lord. And you know, it's sad that people don't realize where they are and and who they're around. Did you know that Jesus' own brothers and sisters, his own family, disrespected him? You remember that? They came, stood outside, wanted him to leave his ministry and what he was doing and come out to them so they could tell him he's nuts and had lost it and they're going to take him home. So he did exactly right by not even getting up. We're going to talk about this later. There's some things you ought not respect. (laughs) But we're talking about what you do respect. And uh, there are people that are in the presence of wisdom and grace and anointing and won't shut up. You know, I had the privilege of working and helping assisting Brother Kenneth Hagin Sr. And there was more than once that people would want to see him or talk to him. And I'd get up to leave and he'd say, no, you just stay. I thank God for it because I learned some things that way. And uh, I'm sitting back in the corner, keeping my mouth shut. And people are supposed to come. They travel across the country and won't help. And just talk, 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 talk. And barely catch a half breath and then talk, 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 talk. And once in a while I'd see him raise his finger and they'd start talking again. I know, oh, you know, he'd just drop his hand. And I've seen more than once. Them take up their whole time, if it was 30 minutes or 45 minutes, and him look at his watch and say, well, I've got a service in 30 minutes, so it was good to meet you, I have to go, and leave. Never said a thing. Well, it's their own fault. They didn't respect it enough to give any place for it and interrupt. You know, if you, I don't care if you're in mid-sentence talking to an elder and they act like they're going to open their mouth, zip it. Just stop right there. Have some of these things been lost? Do they need to be restored? Do they matter? They do because if you're this way with people, if you're disrespectful with people, you are also disrespectful with God. It can't be any other way. The Bible said if you you say you love God, but you hate your brother, you're a liar. Because if you don't love your brother that you've seen, how can you love God whom you have not seen? It's true concerning all these things. You don't just flip a switch and turn into somebody else when you're supposed to be praying and talking to God. You're the same person. And so ever how you are with people, that is the way you are with God. Don't kid yourself. Don't deceive yourself. And if you're really growing in honor and respect with God, you and other people will be able to see it in the way you honor and respect people, men and women. Is interrupting disrespectful? Do you want to change that? Can you change? We talked from the New Testament in James. It said, let every man, that's everybody, be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. A lot of people practice that in reverse. (laughs) But let's practice it the way the Lord said. Tell me what you are. Make a good confession. Are you quick To hear. And what else? Slow to speak. What else? Slow to get mad. To wrath. But you're quick 
to hear. You're a good listener. A good hearer. I know uh, I shared uh, last weekend about how my parents, my mom and my dad, listened to me as a boy. And you know, uh, girls especially uh, uh, learn how to be a woman and a, a mother and a wife from watching their their mother. And uh, boys should learn how to be a man and and a husband and father from watching their dad. And and even as a 13 year old, my dad had listened to me for an hour. Just listen to me. Not interrupt me. And, and I know I did not have the problems with insecurities that a lot of kids had. I just didn't have them. And I thank God for that. And some of these things help anchor people and solidify them. Why? Because you treat them like they're valuable. Like their words matter. And when the people that you love and care about treat you like you're valuable, it does something to you. So that you're not easily moved by people outside. If they say something about you. You believe something different. You don't receive. Their estimation of you. Because you have found your value in the Lord. (laughs) And that doesn't change. And that's what honor is about. Honor is about value. So. uh, Number one was ignoring. Number two is what? Interrupting. Number three. Didn't we get to number three? Another eye of disrespect is intruding. Somebody say intruding. Intruding means to to push in, to thrust in, to bring in without invitation, without permission, without welcome. Before you push into something, intrude into something, you need to ask yourself, who invited me? Who asked me? Who invited me? To presume and assume, well, hey, everything I think and do so wonderful, everybody would want me to just come in if I would. That's just not true. (laughs) Whether you think it is or not, not everybody is going to see it that way. And it's disrespectful to just push your way into situations. And in truth, the Bible said in Proverbs 25 and 6, put not forth yourself in the presence of the king. He talked about don't take the best seat in the best place. Go sit in the back. Go sit in the corner. And if they call you up, okay. But don't put yourself forward and intrude into something that you weren't invited to. Jesus talked about it. That is being disrespectful. A thing that we'll go on talking about today, these have some similarities and yet they're different too. Our fourth eye of disrespect is interfering. A lot of times people intrude into a situation and then they stay to interfere. (laughs) Can you see that? There's the intrusion, and then there's the interference. And that is disrespectful. There should be lines for us. There should be things we don't just run past or, or trample over. You know, we, uh, we talked last week about when Moses came up on the burning bush. You remember what the Lord told him? Apparently he just walking right on up there and the Lord said, hey, take your shoes off. 
place where you are is holy ground. Do we have the discernment to know there are some times and places and situations where it's not time to run your mouth? It's not time to be loose. This is different. We're to treat it differently. When Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and his his clothes and his face and his skin became glistening, whiter than snow, and and Peter says, uh, hey, let's build some tabernacles. And the Bible said he didn't know what he was saying. Well, when you don't know what you're saying, you should be quiet. (laughs) We've all done some of this. But it shows a real lack of understanding of what is precious and what is holy and what is important and what is not. There's time to have fun, time to cut up, and then there's time not to. There's time to share and talk and there's time to be quiet and listen and not say a word. Do we discern what is time for what? Or in the society we live in, there's people that just, they never have a time when they're quiet. There's never a time when they know I need to step back and, and give place. So intrusion and interference. Notice with me in Proverbs, turn to the book of Proverbs if you haven't already. Proverbs 20. Proverbs 20. We should ask ourselves frequently, who invited me into this situation? Who asked me for my input? In Proverbs 20 and verse 3, 20 and verse 3 says, It is an honor for a man to cease from strife, but every fool will be meddling. You won't find the word interfere uh, that much in the King James. You will find the word meddle. Or, as the Young's literal translation says, it's an honor to a man, an honor to a man is cessation from strife, and every fool intermeddleth. Anybody can get embroiled in strife. Anybody can be quick to, to shoot the mouth off, quick to get upset, quick to offer their two cents and their piece of their mind and their this and that, but that's being foolish. It's an honor for a man or a woman not to get sucked into this and not to intermeddle where you ought not. There's a picture painted in the 26th chapter of Proverbs. Turn there, please. Proverbs 26 and 17. 26, 17 says, He that passes by and meddles with strife belonging not to him is like one that takes a dog by the ears. <laughs> the New Century Version says, Interfering in someone else's quarrel as you pass by is like grabbing a dog by the ears. Now this is talking about not your dog. You don't know whose dog is it. How many think that's a bad idea? <laughs> he said, well, look at there. That's a Rottweiler. I'm going to go grab his ears. Well, is that your dog? Oh, I never saw that dog before. Is that your neighbor's dog? Is your friend's? No, I never saw that dog before, but I'm going to grab his ears. Dumb. How many know this is dumb? Grabbing a strange dog, by the, that's a good way to get bit, isn't it? 
And I know that sounds funny. Why did the Lord give us this picture? Have you or I ever spiritually grabbed a dog by the ears? (laughs) What does that mean? You meddled with, interfered with a situation that was not yours. And nobody invited you. Nobody asked you. You were just sure they needed your expertise right now. (laughs) And so you ran over and grabbed the dog by the ears. And then get all hurt and upset when you get bit. (laughs) But it's your own fault you got bit. You should have never been grabbing. Shouldn't have interfered. It's disrespectful to interfere where you've not been invited. You've not been asked. Uh, Pride is a big motivator in this. There's two scriptures in 2 Chronicles. I, I won't take time to read them all, but if you're interested, go back and read the chapters. You'll get a lot out of it. 2 Chronicles 25. There was a king who God had given a great victory. And then he went to another king and said, you know, let's have a fight. And the king says, uh, look, verse 19, he said, you've smitten the Edomites and your heart has lifted you up to boast. Stay at home. Why should you meddle to your own hurt that you should fall, you and Judah with you? But Joash the king went up and he fought him anyway and he was put to the worst. They were defeated and destroyed. Because it, it didn't have anything to do with him. It's a similar situation. Second Chronicles 35. Second Chronicles 35. Necho, king of Egypt, came up to fight against Carchemish by Euphrates. And Josiah went out against him. Wasn't his fight. Wasn't his people. But he decided he's going to get involved. What's he doing? Grabbing a dog by the ears. And he sent ambassadors to say... What do I have to do with you, king of Judah? I'm not coming against you today, but against the house wherewith I have war. God told me to come up and make haste. Forbear you from meddling with God who is with me that he destroy you not. He said, the Lord sent me to do this. You need to stay out of this. But no, Joshua would not turn his face from him. He disguised himself and went into battle anyway and got shot by an arrow and died. For all we know, he could have lived many more years and had more effect in the kingdom of God, but he stuck his nose where it didn't belong. He interfered in somebody else's affairs. And he didn't write, he's a godly man in a lot of ways, but here he is actually interfering with the Lord. Interfering with something the Lord told somebody else to do. Did you know that the Lord does not tell you Everything he tells everybody else to do. (laughs) Have you figured that out yet? (laughs) And that there are a whole lot of things that are just none of your business. Do you know that or not? So many people don't know that. They think everything's their business. They think they got a right to pipe up and say and get involved and intrude and interfere just because they're them. That's being very prideful. 
What qualifies you to be involved? What qualifies you to have anything to say? Who are you? Who asked you? Who invited you? We need to know there are numerous things that we would be violating a person's place and space and privacy to say anything or do anything about that that it has nothing to do with us. That needs to be frequently. When's the last time somebody asked you about something and you said, oh, that's not my business. That's nothing to do with me. It it happens with me frequently. I mean, people say, Mother Keith, what do you think about so-and-so's church? I think that's not my church. (laughs) It's not my my ministry. What do you think about Pastor so-and-so's wife? She's not my wife. (laughs) Not my wife. So I care, I would pray for somebody, I would help, but I need to know when it's not my place to say anything, to judge, or to to make a call, to say, well, they ought to do this, or they ought not do that. It's actually freedom when you realize there is a head of the church, and he knows what he's doing, and there is a judge overall, and it's not you. And it's not me. And I don't have to make a call. Or make a verdict or judge this way or that. I just say, hey, that's that's not my business. That's between them and the Lord. That's mm-mm. And I can just be free. And there are things you ought to stay out of. Hmm? You believe it or not? There are things you ought to have nothing to say about. You ought not push yourself into. You ought not interfere with. It doesn't pertain to you. Let's look at some other uh, uh, other verses in, in the New Testament. 2 Thessalonians 3. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 11. He said, We hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all. Now here you see the environment of interferers. People that don't work. Working not at all. But they're what? Busybodies. God's words translation says. We hear that some of you are not living disciplined lives. See this is. It's disciplining yourself. When you start to say something. And you start to get involved. And you realize hold on. Hold on. Nobody asked me. That's not my place. You discipline yourself from talking. You discipline yourself from getting involved. You control yourself. He said, uh, you're not working. So you go around interfering in other people's lives. See, when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, you got a lot of free time to do what you shouldn't be doing. Huh? When you're not minding your own business, you got plenty of time. To stick your nose in other people's business. <laughs> I, I see knowing looks all across the crowd. <laughs> and you should not be an enabler or a supporter of these folks. There are people who are uh, irresponsible and they don't work. And they call themselves living by faith. And all they're doing is mooching and sponging off of their brothers and sisters in the Lord. 
You with me? They ought to be holding a job. They ought to be getting up every morning like the rest of us. They ought to be working every day. And they're not. And some of them complain that they got this little ailment or that little ailment or the other. There's always some excuse. But the bottom line is they're always in need. Listen, if the Lord told you to do something other than a job, he will support you. Now, if you do it and the support's not there, somebody missed it. And it's not the Lord. So till you figure it out, get a job. (laughs) Get a job. And then if you're busy working and hustling and sweating and cleaning and stocking, and writing and filing and this and that, then you just time you get home, you're ready to take a bath and rest. <laughs> Not stick your nose where it doesn't belong. <laughs> That's not just my idea. That's scriptures. Does the Bible say if you don't work, you ought not eat? That would fix a lot of stuff. (laughs) Wouldn't it? (laughs) People say, well, it's a very complex situation that the government is dealing with. No, it ain't complex. (laughs) It's not hard. (laughs) Oh, this is, we're having fun now, aren't we? Listen to me, friends. Do not take your money and the resources that God has given you and support and enable somebody to sit around and be nosy all day. You do not want to support that because if you do, you'll be partly responsible for what they're doing. There's a lot of people, if you'd leave them alone and not give them anything, the Lord would let them get hungry. I said the Lord. He'd let them hit bottom. He'd let them get hungry. And when they did, they'd repent and come to him and get straight. But as long as somebody else will take care of it, they're not going to change. And you can actually wind up interfering again with what the Lord is doing. People think it's love and they think it's a good thing, but you're actually interfering with the Lord. You're doing stuff that's none of your business. The scripture also says in the New Testament, 1 Timothy 5. 1 Timothy 5 and 13, he says, Withal, he said, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but tattlers also, and busybodies, speaking things which they ought not. 1 Peter 4 and 15. 1 Peter 4 15 says, "Let, Let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody. Boy, that's some bad company. Isn't it? Would you link busybodies with murderers? <laughs> the Bible does. Murderers, thieves, evildoers, and busybodies. Whew. In other men's matters. The Amplified says, Let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or any sort of criminal or as a mischief maker, a meddler in the affairs of others infringing on their rights. The New Living Translation says prying into other people's affairs. 
prying into it. There are so many calls that are actually prying. What about so and so? What's going on with them? Have you heard? And people, people do things under the guise of spirituality. Well, I just want to know how to pray. You ever heard of praying in the spirit? You don't have to have a clue. Pray in the spirit. I just, I just want to know. And people, uh, man, you know, the, the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they came to Jesus' meetings. Not to hear the word. Not to get blessed. Why would they come? Yeah, to try to find out something that, that he would catch him in the word, take a phrase that he said and twist it around so they could try to get him in trouble with the authorities. Is that right? Isn't that something? That's the only reason they're at the meeting. There's been a few times, not too many, but I, I knew people came by here. They they come to get blessed. They come to find out what they could find out, so they go, go back and tell somebody something. Man, that's a bad spirit, isn't it? And people like that won't get blessed. All you'll be full of is gossip and judging. And what if you go around sowing, interfering all the time? Then you're going to reap thirty, sixty, hundred fold. Folks interfering with your business. And some people can't figure out, well, why does everybody just want to stay out of my business? Well, because you've sown it. (laughs) You reaping what you sowed. (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Is it disrespectful to interfere? Very disrespectful. Go with me to Third John, please. Are these things important? Is the Lord revealing to us the enemy's devices? If we'll stop yielding and giving place to these things, will we stop giving the devil any place in these areas? If we'll stop ignoring and stop interrupting and stop uh, intruding and stop interfering, stop the disrespect. Say it out loud. Stop the disrespect. I'm believing things are working on us. We've already had some uh, testimonies of people uh, in different secular institutes and situations in the city, in the county, that were so impressed with the kids and with the youth that they wanted to find out more about the church. They thought, man, that is the most respectful kid. That is the finest young man. That is the finest, you know, so so dignified and so respectful. And I thought all that was gone and dead. Well, it's not. God hasn't changed. And I'm believing that, that we are making changes and it will affect, you know, think about a child, a young person, a young man or woman that didn't go through all of that other junk, but their whole life long just grew steadily in honoring the Lord. The Bible said it'll go well with them. They'll live long on the earth. Is that right? And favor and blessing. You tell me in a world like this is, a world where people are so rude and so disrespectful that our young men and women come into their company and they see how they carry themselves and handle themselves, they'll go straight to the top. I said they'll go straight to the top. 
They'll be the ones first promoted. Why? They got some sense. They got some understanding. They know how to carry themselves and conduct themselves. And all it comes back to is the honor of God. If you know how to honor him, you know how to honor people. I believe it's already happening. And will increase more and more. Are you willing to make changes? It requires that we make changes. And these are some areas that we're making changes in. In 3 John, just one chapter, the ninth verse, 3 John 9, he said, uh, uh, the Spirit of God through John said, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, receives us not. Verse 10, Wherefore, if I come, I'll remember his deeds, which he does, prating against us with malicious words and not content therewith. Neither does he himself receive the brethren and forbids them that would and cast them out of the church. Put that up in the Amplified, please. Amplified. Verse 9. Diotrephes, who likes to take the lead among them and put himself first. Do you see what kind of spirit this is? Intrusive. Now, do you think if you met John, whose head leaned on Jesus' chest at the Last Supper, who was the only one of the men not to run and hide, stood out there by the cross with the women, and Jesus looked down off the cross and says to him, Behold your mother. Mother, behold your son. And he had John personally take care of his mother. The first one to believe. And yet this guy is disrespecting John. And refuses to, he does not acknowledge my authority. And refuses to accept my suggestions. Or to listen to me. See people like to think, well if, if John was here, I'd respect him. Well, if Jesus was here, I'd respect him. You know they didn't? We've already talked about it. There are people that were right in his face, saw him and heard him day in and day out, and just despised him. John, Paul, these different ones. You know they did a good job teaching and preaching. You know they lived good lives. You know they led the people well. And yet there are all kind of people that disrespected them, dishonored them, rejected them. This guy was one of them. And verse 10, so when I arrive, he said, I'll call attention to what he's doing. His boiling over and casting malicious reflections upon us with insinuating language. Now, that's one of the next things we're going to be talking about. And not satisfied with that, he refuses to receive and welcome the missionary brethren himself and also interferes with and forbids those who would welcome them and tries to expel, excommunicate them from the church. That describes 10,000 deacons. Doesn't it? Decide they're supposed to take the lead and they're supposed to take the charge and they put this one out and they say who can come and what media you can have and unspiritual men and women actually interfering with the Lord's work. Who are they? Who are you? Well, I've been in this community for 30 years. So? How does that make you something to do with the leadership of the church? 
Now, my family gave the land this church is built on. If they really gave it, it was a gift. There's no strings. If you're wanting something in return, then they never even gave anything. No. So many people are speaking up, demanding to be heard, thinking they got a right, thinking they got a choice, and they don't. They have no place. Nobody's invited them. Nobody's asked them. They don't have any right. And yet they think they do. Interfering. Somebody say interfering. Interfering. Say it again. Interfering. Interfering. In Acts 5 and 38. Acts 5 and 38. The complete Jewish Bible. God had done miracles. And the disciples and apostles. Were called in front of the, the leaders. They were threatening them. They're going to kill them. They're planning to kill them. And one stood up in their midst. And he said in verse 38. He said. In in the present case, my advice to you, this is the complete Jewish Bible, not to interfere with these people, but to leave them alone. For if this idea or this movement has an human origin, it'll collapse. If it's just of men, it's going to run its course and run out. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop them. You might even find yourself fighting God. See, so many times people are interfering in something. And like we said, you don't know what the Lord told them to do. You need to acknowledge that. That you don't know. If they say the Lord told them, I don't have to judge that. What if they're just making it up? That's between them and him. Now, if it's this church, if it's this ministry, I have the oversight. But outside of my scope and what the Lord's put under my hand, I don't need to be buttoned in. If somebody asks me, if somebody invites me, they give a place. If they don't, I don't have it. Do you remember James talking about, is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church. Put that up on the screen for us, if you would. What is that, James 5? That passage is 13, 14, yeah. Is any sick among you? What does it say, That the next two words? Let him call. Say it out loud. Let him call. Let who call? Him who? The one that's sick. Let him call. See, that has been twisted by modern tradition that the people, particularly the leadership, the pastors, are supposed to keep up with the people and find out and just show up. And if you don't keep up and show up, then what's wrong with you? People say, well, I guess a man could just sit up here and die. Nobody from that church would come by and check on him. (laughs) The Bible didn't tell us to do that. The Bible told you to call. Are you with me, friend? And there's some spiritual, very significant spiritual reasons why. Because by calling, you give place. You're inviting and asking. You're giving us or your ministers, whoever, spiritual authority. I learned some of this the hard way back 20, 30 years ago in the healing ministry. People would say, Brother Keith, you know, my, my, my dad, my mom is sick and they're in the hospital right over there. You know, would you go visit them? And I just want to help. And I'd say, sure, sure. And I'd show up, knock on the door and they'd say, well, who are you? 
I said, well, I'm, I'm Keith Moore, and your brother, uh, you know, uh, told me you were here, and I just come by. He said, I don't believe in all that stuff. Nobody asked you. Can I just wait on in there and get them healed? No, no, I have no place. And, and I learned sometimes people would get offended when they'd say, you know, would you go check? I said, well, if they want me to come, have them call. Well, they won't. I said, that's a problem. Can you see this? Because if they don't respect you enough to ask, then you couldn't do anything anyway. You got no authority. You got no place. Can you see that? Uh, so many people are not, they're not deriving the full benefit of the ministry gifts God has given them. Because they, they won't give them place. Phyllis and I have talked about this any number of times, pastoring. Uh, you know, people come sometimes and, and tell us, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And when they tell you, both of us thought, hmm, we didn't like the sound of that. But we didn't say anything. Why? They didn't ask us. They told us what they're doing. You can tell they've already made up their mind. And no matter what wisdom or direction the Lord might give them through us, it's not available to them. Because they didn't ask. And I says, well, isn't that kind of being technical? No, listen, the Bible said don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Don't give precious things to people who don't value them. And you can tell whether people are open or whether they're not. If there's not a real willingness to receive something that you might not want to hear, then the person does not have place to say it or show it or do it. You'll find this is true about God himself. When you come to him and you want direction from him, if you're unwilling and you already got your mind made up, you will not hear from him. Do you understand this? Because he knows you already got your mind made up. He knows you're just going through the formality of saying I prayed. You've got to genuinely be willing to hear a no. To hear something different than what you thought. That unwillingness will be a block between you and him. The door is closed. You're not open. Does this make sense? These things are really important. So much direction and help that people should be receiving. They're not. Because they're just going around telling folks what they're going to do. and They're not asking and they're not open and they're not receiving. Let's stop giving place to the devil. And let's give full place to God. Don't you think our life would be different if we'd do this? Thank you, Lord. Turn with me in closing, I think. <laughs> no guarantees. To uh, John. Gospel account of John. Chapter 21. Have you ever heard this phrase, respect their privacy? Hmm? How many agree that you ought to respect people's privacy? Should you do that? Uh, what does that mean? Most everybody would agree with that, but how do you do that? How do you do that? What does that mean? Some people that would so adamant they go, you know, respect their privacy. You know, I'm, I'm going to respect their privacy. And you respect my privacy. And, and yet they'll just blunder right in and intrude and interfere and act like they don't even see what they're doing. They're not respecting the person's privacy. There should be lines that you're aware of that you don't cross 
without invitation. Hmm? Well, they need it. Doesn't matter. They need it desperately. Now, as a minister, this is one of the things that can frustrate you. Because there's been numerous times, especially people that's in our ministry or in the church or under us or our friends or whatever, and, and there's been times I can see so clearly what they need to do. If they just stop this and do this, their situation would turn around within the week. You can just see it. Why don't you just tell them, Brother Keith? It's not that simple. Well, I think, I think it is. Well, you're wrong. It's not that simple. If a person, remember Jesus saying, him that has ears to hear? What does that mean? They all had these on the side of their head. What does that mean? Not everybody is willing to hear. I've had people tell me before, oh, now, Brother Keith, if you ever get anything, if you ever get anything, and, and, and so I did, and I start to talk, and I could tell by the second word, they don't want to hear this. They're unwilling to hear this, and sometimes I just had to stop, because I know all it would do is make them mad. They said they wanted it, but they don't. When it actually comes down, down to it, they don't want it. They're unwilling to see it and hear it. It's a problem. Not just with you. Every one of us have made mistakes. In this area. Can we change? Yes. yes, we can. Yes, we can. Can you be willing? Did you know the Lord will even help you to be willing? To be willing? He, he works in you to will and to do. Say it out loud. Lord, I'm willing, Lord, I'm willing to be willing. To be Work in me, Work in me to, will to will and to do. Of all your good pleasure. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. There are lines. We should not cross. Without invitation. There are things we should not offer. Our opinion about. Or bring up subjects we should not broach. Or talk about. Unless someone asks us. Even then we need to be led. There's a whole lot of things. That's just none of our business. Hmm? This will help you have peace in your life. So many folks are wrestling about this and they're upset about that and they're worried about this and they're scared about that, this person's life and that person's ministry and they think it shows that I care and it shows that you're disobedient. The Bible told you to cast all your cares on the Lord. Didn't it? Roll it all over on him. And quit acting like you're big enough that you could figure it out. Or that you could handle it yourself. You can't. So many times you just need to smile and say, I'm glad I am not the judge. I'm glad I don't have to figure this out. I don't have to make a call on this. I need to tend to my business. Classic example of this is in John. You remember it, I'm sure. And uh, Jesus is raised from the dead. He's talking with his disciples. They're enjoying each other's company. And uh, he tells Peter, Jesus tells Peter personally some things about how he's going to die, how he's going to leave, how he's going to glorify God in his departure. Some of it didn't sound so good. (laughs) And so Peter 
looks over at John and says, well, how about him? (laughs) Do you remember that? What about him? What's going to happen to him? John 21, if Jesus was talking to you today, would he say a similar thing to what he said here? Isn't he the same yesterday, today, and forever? Verse 21, Peter seeing him said to Jesus, Lord, John 21, 21, what shall this man do? How about John? You know, you told me how I'm going to die. How about him? Is he crossing the line here? Why isn't he aware that he's crossing the line? Now, if you don't have enough discernment to know that you're crossing the line, that's where your leaders come in. They can help you out. Jesus said, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. God's word translation. Jesus said to Peter, if I want him to live until I come again, how does that concern you? Now, he, Jesus is not trying to be smarty with Peter. You ought to endeavor to answer the question. How does that concern you? What's the answer? It doesn't. What is that to you? Tell, tell me the answer. Help me out. It's, it's not to me. Now see, people want to justify, well, yeah, but I just, I care about John and, and I just want, no, you're just nosy. Don't act all hyper-spiritual. You're just nosy. And you've crossed a line and you're interfering and it's not time to explain, it's time to repent. When you see that you've crossed a line, don't go into explanation mode. Because now you're making another mistake. And you're being dishonest. Just admit it. When you stuck your nose where it doesn't belong, admit it and say, ah, you're right. Forgive me, forgive me. I won't bring it up. I'm out. Isn't this interesting weather we're having? <laughs> Change the subject. Get out. When, when you see that you've gone too far, what's it time to do? Get out and repent. Don't make excuses. Don't make explanations. Admit it. I spoke when I shouldn't have. I've asked something I shouldn't have asked. Don't answer that. Forgive me. I shouldn't have asked that question. That's none of my business. Yeah, but inquiring minds want to know. I know. I Oh, I know. Everywhere you go. What about this? What about that? What about the other? Listen, friend. This may seem like a trivial, small matter. It is not. It is not. If you're this way with people, then you don't know how to be faithful and honoring with God either. It's one and the same. They're linked together. God's restoring some things. How many believe this is a significant thing in our church, in our lives, in our homes, our marriages, our kids, our grandkids? This is very significant. Teach your little ones. Little ones come running up and go, what are you doing? You go, what's it to you? <laughs> you go play. It's nothing to do with you. Oh, well, that's being mean. It's not being mean. If they don't learn this now, they're going to mess up severely later on. There's some things that can really cost them. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be hard. You just need to teach them. Uh, don't be asking questions about that. This is a private conversation. Now just go back and play with your truck. Hmm? People are messing up. I say, well, they're just a little kid. They are capable of understanding much more than you think. Aren't they? You know they are. So quit treating them like they can't understand. But you don't have to be mean. You don't have to be hard. 
but just don't change and be consistent over and over again. You know, they come interrupt or butt in or something. So you say, no, 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 that's rude now. Don't, don't interrupt. No, this is, we're having a conversation. Teach them early. Respect people's conversations. Respect people's privacy. Respect people's personal things. See, the Lord would help us so much with each other if we wouldn't hang everything out in public. If we wouldn't be so loose, you know, uh, there was a, a phrase, loose lips sink ships. Anybody remember that phrase? Literally true. Why? Because during the war, there were spies all over the place, and you didn't know who you were talking to. You didn't know. You might have thought, well, this is just a good old boy from down the road, but you didn't know that he's got connections with the enemy. And that you, you know, ah, you know, he, he won't go no further than this, and, and he'll just tell that, and uh, you don't know who you're talking to. And literally, lives were lost. Ships were sunk because people talked when it was, they shouldn't have. It was none of their business. So, intruding, interfering is being disrespectful of people's place, people's space, people's privacy. And all you're doing is treating people with value. Going, look, you know, uh, and I don't know about you, I, I'm a country boy. I, I like it in the country. I have an affinity with Texans because it's a lot of the same mentality. Man, you know, you go to some places and it's just wall to wall people and people are in your face and they're in your space. I like it out in Texas. You stand about, you know, 50 yards away and talk to each other from across the fence. Hey, Slim. Uh, <laughs> space. You don't mess with a man's truck or his gun or his dog. You know what I'm talking about? You don't mess with your stuff. And this is not just a matter about being persnickety. It's just a matter of showing somebody some respect. It's not your house. It's not your truck. It's not your dog. Then leave them alone. What do you got to say about it? Who asked you? Who invited you? Can we make some changes in these areas? Can we progress? Stand up on your feet. Let's pray about this. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.